Pastor Xavier Reese says there are answers for inquiring minds that want to know. Jesus will answer your questions if you come with an open heart. Are you ready to learn as a student and receive and believe the way to enter the kingdom of God? Are you open to admit your own ignorance about spiritual matters and how to enter the kingdom of God? Are you ready to trust the scriptures that declare that faith in Jesus is the only way to enter the kingdom of God? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. For the most part, if you were born in America, you're an American. In Mexico, a Mexican. Germany, a German, and so on. But if you want to belong to the Kingdom of God, Scripture declares you must be born again of the Spirit. And that's the simple truth explained in the story of Nicodemus, the seeker, the skeptic, and the student. Here's our teacher, Pastor Xavier, taking us to our text. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, and I've entitled the message, How to Enter the Kingdom of God. The key to enter the kingdom of God is declared by Jesus to Nicodemus the Pharisee as he plays three distinct roles. First, we see Nicodemus the seeker, verse 1 through 3. Secondly, we see Nicodemus, the skeptic, verses 4 through 8. And then thirdly, Nicodemus, the student, verses 9 through 15. Let me read the passage and we'll look at each section. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things, signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again or born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you a teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life or eternal life. Let's look at Nicodemus. The seeker, verses 1 through 3. Notice first the identity of Nicodemus is given in verse 1. First, he is said to be a Pharisee. The Pharisees were of the religious order of the ritualist of the day. We've seen this before as we began John. So he was someone who was renowned, someone of prestige, someone who, who stood for authority, someone who stood as a model. Um, here he is. He's before Jesus. 
Now notice the reason that Nicodemus gives for believing in Jesus and that he is from God. It is the signs that he is doing. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus declares that unless one is born again, anothen, from above, he or she cannot see, oida, perceive, understand the kingdom of God. He says it three times, verse 3, verse 5, verse 7. Now, how many times does God have to say something before we believe it? Three times he says it to Nicodemus. Now, remember the kingdom to the Jew meant the age to come, when the Messiah would destroy their enemies and he would set up their kingdom and they would rule with them for a thousand years, okay? Now, the kingdom to the Christian is different. The kingdom of the Christian is present and yet to come. The kingdom is present, but we're still looking for it to come, right? The church is not the kingdom. When people tell the church the kingdom, they're wrong. We're not the kingdom. The church will not bring in the kingdom. Come on, let's go out and minister. Let's go all over the world so we can bring in the kingdom. Good luck. We will never bring in the kingdom. Christ will bring it in. The church is part of the kingdom, though. And the church will reign in the kingdom. But the church is not the kingdom. And the kingdom is present and has yet to come. A paradox. Distinct from the mentality of Nicodemus as he understands the kingdom. Because he never saw the church age. We are in it. Now, notice also that Jesus answered Nicodemus not according to what he said but according to what was in his heart. He was thinking of entrance into the kingdom of God. Does that surprise you? Nicodemus says, we know you're a man sent from God because no man can do these signs unless God be with him. And out of the blue, Jesus says, you know what? You must be born again. Boy, doesn't God nail us? We come to him with all the, oh, God, this and that. And God says, what's your point? Or he tells us something else completely different. What are you telling me that for? Because he reads our heart. He answers us according to our heart, not our words. <laughs> he deals with our heart. You see, Nicodemus, the seeker, came to Jesus with an open heart. That's the first step. When a little captive girl told the wife of the Syrian king that there was a prophet in Samaria that could heal her chief captain, Nam, of leprosy, the king sent him with letters, gold, and silver to the king of Israel that he might be healed. And Naaman came with an open heart in 2 Kings 5, 1 through 5. He came excited, an open heart. Now, are you come with an open heart this morning? Having heard about Jesus? You know, people have been telling you about him, but you can, well, I'll go finally go see what these Jesus freaks are all about. Have you come because of the miracles that people have told you about Jesus? having come with an open heart, if that's your position. Jesus will tell you how to experience the greatest miracle by being born again. Your need of being born again. He will not tell you anything different. But an open heart is a prerequisite. Now Nicodemus moves on to portray himself as a skeptic. Nicodemus the skeptic is seen in verses 4 through 8. Nicodemus' question, how can a man be born again when he is old, reveals two things. 
First, the futility of the natural mind to understand spiritual things. You know, 1 Corinthians 2, from 9 on down to 16, that uh, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And he goes on to speak how the natural mind can understand the things of God is foolish unto him, but we have received the things of God by the Spirit. And by the way, you have the mind of Christ. And so the natural mind, futile to understand the things of God. But secondly, the impossibility of such a thing being able to happen. That's an expression. How can a man be born again? In other words, it's impossible. But notice secondly here, Nicodemus' second question. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? This confirms his blindness regarding spiritual things. Nicodemus' question or his questions here are honest and sincere, even though he is skeptical. You know, you can be skeptic, but if you're sincere, God has all the time in the world for you. He'll converse with you. He'll minister to you. When Naaman the leopard was told to go dip himself seven times in the muddy Jordan by the servant of Elisha in order to be healed, he became furious and offended in that Elijah did not come out and, and say, do this and do that, and he would cleanse him and call upon his God right there. Not to mention the ridiculous command to go dip himself in the muddy Jordan seven times. So Naaman came with an open heart, but when he heard what he was told, he said, that's crazy. There are better rivers where I come from. And he was outraged, and he headed home. You may be sitting here a skeptic and attempting to figure out how it is possible for a person to be born again from above. But your natural mind is unable to accept it or comprehend it. Yet if you have an open heart, God will illuminate your heart and mind. Jesus doesn't mind skeptics as long as they have an open heart. The third picture that we see is Nicodemus the student, verses 9 through 15. Notice first, Nicodemus responds to Jesus with great interest in verse 9. Nicodemus' question says, how can these things be? It reveals two things. First, his ignorance as to spiritual matters of the new birth. Secondly, his petition to be instructed as to the method of being born again. You see, the how here of verse 9 is not the same how as verse 4. The how of verse 4 is saying, no way, impossible. The how of verse 9 is saying, tell me the method of being born again. There's the difference. Though Nicodemus was a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews, he humbled himself to be instructed you know what keeps you from coming to Christ? Your pride. You can't understand it, so you trash it. You have to humble yourself, and that'll be the day. And it keeps you from heaven. Notice, though, Nicodemus was a ruler of the Sanhedrin with all the authority. He never challenged the authority of Jesus. Do you challenge the authority of Jesus? Well, who said, well, he was just a man. I mean... That's your opinion, and that's your right. He won't argue with you. And so, no longer the how of verse 4 
of skepticism, but now the how of a student who desires to be a disciple. And that's what the word disciple means, a learner, a student. Notice, secondly, Jesus declares the evidence of his ignorance first, verses 10 through 12. In verse 10, Jesus reproves Nicodemus mildly by two things. Verse 10, he says, Jesus answered him and said, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Notice Jesus first points out his position of responsibility. Are you the teacher of Israel? The article implies the distinctiveness and the distinguishedness of his position. If not the very teacher, one of the top teachers. But also the teacher was to be the model for others. Now, are you the teacher of Israel? What an awesome responsibility. But then secondly, Jesus points out his accountability. And accountability always follows responsibility. Listen to his words. And do not know these things? You are the teacher and you do not know these things? If the blind lead the blind, they both would fall into the ditch. The statement implies that he should have known the truth. Now follow me. If Jesus says this, and you do not know these things, and it would be impossible for Nicodemus to know this, Jesus would be unjust. So in other words, Nicodemus had the means to know. How? The word know is gnoskis, which means to know by experience. The prophet Ezekiel is one of the prophets who declared this truth. In Ezekiel 36, verse 35 to 38, he spoke of a future day where the new birth would come, a new heart, and a new spirit. Nicodemus should have known. Listen to the words of Jesus as he wept over Jerusalem. If you had known, speaking to Jerusalem, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, Luke 19, 42. In other words, God schooled the nation of Israel and prepared them to identify and to know and to recognize their Messiah, but they did not. Why? Because of their pride, because of their arrogance, because of their ritualistic religious attitudes. But they had the means by which to know. They were not only responsible, they were accountable. And notice that Jesus reproves Nicodemus also for his rejection of God's witness in verse 11. Jesus qualifies the importance of what he is again to say in two ways. The genuineness and truthfulness of his words by the phrase again, most assuredly. The supreme authority again, I say to you. And then Jesus declares his superior witness. Look at the pronoun, the pronoun we speaks of Jesus and others. We speak, we know, we testify what we have seen. Who does the we refer to? Some say it refers to Jesus and John the Baptist. Some to the prophets, which include John. Others say it refers to his disciples. Yet others say it refers to he and the Father. Who's right? Take your pick. It has to refer to certainly John, certainly the prophets, uh, his disciples very possibly and of course we can't exclude the father because the father spoke in the Old Testament he spoke at his baptism 
But notice the contrast, the pronoun you, refers to Nicodemus and the Jewish leaders who did not what? Receive the witness. So Jesus rebukes him here. He's coming with an open heart, but he and others had rejected the witness of John, of Jesus, to this point. And then notice thirdly that Jesus reproves Nicodemus by his inability to understand what Jesus had told him already in verse 12. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe them, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? You see, the things Jesus had told Nicodemus were spiritual truth based on what? Earthly things. He's speaking about spiritual truth based on earthly things and he didn't understand them. He says, now if I tell you about heavenly things with heavenly things, you'll never understand them. The contrast is heaven and earth through this whole passage. And then notice thirdly, verses 13 through 15. Jesus declares the answer to Nicodemus' petition to be instructed about the method of being born again. Jesus will answer your questions if you come with an open heart. Jesus will be patient with you. And he will answer you if you come as a genuine seeker. Notice verse 13 through 15. First, Jesus declares himself to be the unique revealer of heavenly things. He says, No one has ascended to heaven but he who has come down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. Jesus declares himself to be the unique revealer of heavenly things in verse 13. First, he is the one who has descended from heaven and come down. The only one. Second, he is the son of man. The title is the identification of himself with man as well as the incarnation. By the way, he says there in verse 13, who is in heaven. What does that mean? Jesus is saying that while he was on earth, he was still in heaven. God's all present. It's not a mistake. Don't try to do gymnastics with it. He means what he says. <laughs> Even while he was on earth, he was in heaven. Well, how can that be? I don't know, but I'm glad it can happen. And Jesus is the only one who uses this Son of Man title for himself. Only in, once in Acts, when Stephen is being stoned, he says, Behold, the Son of Man stands at the right hand of the glory, as he stood. But it's a unique title that he uses for himself. No one ever refers to him by it. We just saw this in our first lesson. Notice Jesus tells Nicodemus how to be born again. Verse 14 and 15. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. He answers his question. He's told him what needs to be done. Now he's told him how it can be done, which is the last evidence that the reference to water is the word. Follow me. The message comes from what? The scriptures. Jesus points him to the scriptures, the word of God. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, Numbers 21, verse 4 through 9. The people of Israel spoke against the Lord and Moses, accusing Moses of having brought them out of Egypt only to kill them in the wilderness. God sent fiery serpents in the camp. As they bit the individuals, they were poisonous and they died. The people came to Moses and repented of their sin and pleaded for intercession. And so God told Moses to take a pole, put a brass serpent on the pole, put it in the midst of the camp, and if anybody would look upon it, they would not die even though they had been bitten by the poisonous snakes. Now, 
Here is the last evidence that the reference to water is the word. He points them to the scriptures. We're born again by hearing the word of God by the work of the Holy Spirit as he illuminates the word of God. And I can see some of these yo-yos out there, you know, they're ready to die and Moses going around grabbing the ears, trying to turn them and then when they turn them, they close their eyes. They die. Don't miss the application. The application is, if, this, if there is such a word, unmissable. <laughs> For it is an equal parallel. Listen to him. So must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Two absolute musts should not be missed. First, the Son of Man must be lifted up. The second, the sinner must be born again or he or she will never know, understand the kingdom of God. Verse 3, verse 5, verse 7. Notice the outcome is eternal life. Age abiding life. The symbols are incredible. Follow me. The pole represents the cross in the wilderness. The brass serpent represents sin being judged on the cross. The act of looking to the serpent on the pole in the middle of the camp represents faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. God desires each of us to put our trust and faith in the revelation of his word regardless of how ridiculous or impossible it may be to believe for just as looking would keep them from dying from the venomous bite, so our looking to Jesus, who died for the sins of the world, will keep us from perishing. Jesus made a reference to it himself in John 12, 32 and 33. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Speaking of his death. Mm. The servant of Naaman seeing Naaman's arrogance and pride and anger and skepticism, said to him, if the prophet would have told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be cleansed? And there goes Naaman out to the muddy Jordan. One, Two, kind of disappointed. Three, four, five, six. Oh, I know I shouldn't have done it. Seven, his skin like a little child. Oh, but it's foolish. How can a muddy Jordan cleanse me? It's not the Jordan. It's the one who told you how he would do it. Oh, may God keep us from our arrogance, our skepticism, and our pride. Are you ready to learn as a student and receive and believe the way to enter the kingdom of God? Are you open to admit your own ignorance about spiritual matters and how to enter the kingdom of God? Are you ready to trust the scriptures that declare that faith in Jesus is the only way to enter the kingdom of God. Then you must be born again. You must be born again. The secret of entering the kingdom of God was revealed to Nicodemus as he played these three distinct roles. Nicodemus the seeker came to Jesus with an open heart. How about you? Do you have an open heart? 
Nicodemus the skeptic was patiently ministered unto by Jesus. So are you this morning. And Nicodemus the student came to know that a man must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. That's what we hope you will do. Believe, be born again, and enter the kingdom of God. Pastor Xavier Reese, challenging the skeptics within all of us to lay aside the pride that will keep us from entering in the kingdom of God. And with that, he brings us to the conclusion of a study entitled, How to Enter the Kingdom of God, a message that you may just want to have a copy of your own on hand to share with a friend or loved one that might be asking, like Nicodemus, how to be born again. And as always, we can make it available on CD for just $4. Once again, the title is How to Enter the Kingdom of God. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please do us a favor and include the call letters of this station with your correspondence. That would be a great help to us in our efforts to monitor the effectiveness of this radio ministry. Next time, Pastor Xavier brings us simple truths drawn from the well of the Samaritan woman. It's refreshing living waters for thirsty souls. Hope you'll be back. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com